0: Welcome to DLSN, a podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods. DLSN promotes the advancement of women in private equity and finance through conversations with women in the private equity and finance space. These conversations provide both insights and practical takeaways to inform your deal work and enhance the culture of your organization. If you're ready to drive the industry toward a more inclusive and diverse environment, then it's time to come to the table.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Phyllis Young. I am a debt partner at McGuire Woods. Welcome to Deal Us In. Today, our guest is Hannah Jordana, who is a Senior Vice President of Commercial and Industrial Lending at Cadence Bank. Hannah, welcome to Deal Us In. Hi, Phyllis. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being our guest today. Um, Maybe we could start off today's conversation with you telling us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. I am a Houston native, born and raised here. I am the oldest of three kids in my family. Went to the University of Houston and then right after school started my career in private equity. Later made the leap to Cadence Bank and have been working as a lender in our commercial industrial group for a while now.
1: Hannah, you spoke at uh, one of the panels for our independent sponsor conference, and we learned a lot about you then. You have a really great story. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey and experience in private equity and finance and how you got involved in deal making? Sure, I had in school three
2: different internships originally, and i I kind of used those as my way to find where I wanted to land in the finance space. And my fourth one in school was I had an option to either go to a large corporation and kind of work in their fp group, or I could take an internship that was unpaid overseas, but it was in um, equity research at a securities firm. And, you know, internships will feed into full-time roles oftentimes. And I kind of took the risk to take this unpaid internship overseas, because I thought it would more align with what I wanted to do long term. And sure enough, I found out I, I didn't want to do specifically equity research, but it gave me the resume booster to go and interview for postgrad jobs and ended up meeting an alum of the Honors College at the university. And they were hiring at Main Street Capital Corporation. So I ended up getting a job there and worked there for a few years right out of school doing debt and equity investments in the lower middle market space and really loved that. Did that for almost three years and then ended up making the switch to commercial lending, just being a part of the debt, part of the capital structure here at Cadence. And it was a really easy transition. Some of the same clients that had been refinanced by main sh- or. That had been refinanced by Cadence, that were investments of Main Street, were also clients at Cadence. So it was a really easy transition. And that's how I landed where I am now. It was just a journey of finding what was a good fit for me and kind of learning along the way.
1: How do you think your upbringing has contributed to where you are today in terms of your resilience and grit in navigating the challenges of the workplace? particularly in the uh, dynamic and competitive field of corporate banking?
2: Yeah, I know it's an easy answer to say your parents, but that I really owe a lot to them. And a lot of my positive traits, I would say, come from them and just the experiences they've had and kind of taught me and my siblings. So my dad came here for college, came from the Philippines. And both of my parents had been on their own since the age of 16. So very different experiences, even from myself. But I think the level of grit that that instilled in them was somehow passed along to us and just an appreciation for how hard they worked growing up and to get where they are now and really wanting to make the most of all of my circumstances and blessings just because of how hard they worked. I mean, Both of them have really neat stories that anytime I come across a challenge that might take a little bit more oomph to power through, I can think back on stories they've told. I mean, things like never having been in below 70 degree weather and then going to (laughs) college in Montana, you know, that was a shock for my dad. And having to work for cash jobs in California until he landed the role he has now, and even when he came to Houston, he'll tell the story of, I had $7 to my name and an empty tank in my car. Like, what do you do then? And those just weren't my circumstances growing up. But I can appreciate how hard he worked to get me here. And even for my mom, I mean, when she was a child, there's one time, no dinner on the table. And her mom was like, let's say grace anyway. And Within a few minutes, they heard knocking on the door and someone had brought them dinner that night. And so it's stories like that that really make me appreciative of everything I have. And so whether it's in my personal life or in my career, I really lean on those experiences that they've had and, you know, the character traits that they've instilled in our family because of those experiences. It just makes you really grateful.
1: So how do you think those the character traits that you developed as a result of your break of, of your upbringing, how has that helped you uh, benefit you and your success?
2: Yeah, I mean, coming out of school, as most analysts, right, you're working a lot of hours. And I, I think that can really wear on you after an amount of time. But having the ability to buckle down and just power through and being really grateful for the job, even if it's really hard, or maybe the culture is very competitive, you know, and so I think that really carried me through the first few years at my job. Um, it was my dad's dream to work in finance like that. And so he was really proud of me for my first job out of college. And just knowing that I was living his dream is something that felt extra special, especially when the going got tough, or the sleep was minimal. So I think that that one way that it helped, but just making the most of it. I mean, work can be a large part of your life. You're putting in a lot of time and effort and knowing that it will pay off and it does build character and it'll advance your career too, but also advances as you, who you are as a person.
1: You sort of touched on the atmosphere that you can find um, certainly in a lot of uh, financial institutions, the sort of churn and burn atmosphere that can be created, depending on, you know, where you work and where the culture is, that sort of thing. What do you think are some of the barriers to female leadership maybe as a result of that environment? What do you think are some of the barriers to female leadership in business? How And how do you address those challenges?
2: I think previous generations did a lot of the heavy lifting and overcoming the barriers to female leadership and even my generation as well. And there's always work to be done. But I personally feel like my own self can oftentimes be my own barrier. When you walk into a room and maybe I'm the minority as a woman or the only woman in the room, um, it's easy to feel outnumbered or uncomfortable. And like I can't relate to my male peers as easily as maybe a coworker of mine could who's a male. So I think it's really helpful to have female representation in leadership because when you're feeling maybe disadvantaged or discouraged, it gives you a real confidence boost. I love being able to look at the women leaders, even at cadence, and saying, okay, if they if they can do it, I can too. And knowing that they've paved a way and also just inspire me and other peers that I have here who are women. So that's what I would say to that one.
1: Are there any ways that you actively support women in the workplace or diversity in the workplace? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think there are a couple different ways. I think it's really good to keep an open mindset in the workplace. I think you can relate on many different things. And it always helps whether it's with coworkers or potential clients or even existing clients to find what you can relate on because that builds such trust in a strong relationship. And so whether or not that's because maybe me and another coworker are both female or a client is female, we can relate on common interests in that, you know, or if it's something common in background or culture or ethnicity or gender, you know, I think all of those can be used to advantage to build a relationship so we, we have a mentorship program with analysts at Cadence, and I'll be paired with a different mentee each year. And I love being able to kind of journey through their first three months with them and hear what they're working on and going through. And, um I think that's a really awesome program that the bank offers, but I think it's using um, your diversity as your strength, finding something you can relate to someone else on and build that relationship.
1: What about in terms of connecting with your client or your sort of customer base when you're doing business development? I'm sure you're dealing with a lot of male CFOs and executives at businesses. What are some things that you do to, be able to connect there?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's harder for women sometimes to connect. I mean, we have less in common, maybe on the surface. Maybe I don't golf as often as a CFO does, or I can't talk about smoking brisket or playing sports as well. But I think that women are really good at making personal connections with people. If I can't talk about surface level, things like that, with you because my interests aren't the same or experiences are different. I can ask about your family. I can see how your kids are doing in their college search or if your kid got into the program of school or sport that you were wanting. And I think those things also build a more personal relationship and connection with people and it makes them really real to you too. So I love that sometimes because we don't have that easy out of just talking about sports. I mean, some women do. I I can't really relate on that one. But I think it can open up opportunities to connect at a really personal level. And I think that's really special.
1: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you are being your authentic self, essentially, when you are out in the business world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to be a good golfer, but that wouldn't be very authentic of me.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of people who would like to be good golfers. <laughs> who actually aren't. Yeah. Or who are out there doing it. And, yeah, you know. <laughs> So you were once the new kid on the block in the industry. What in your experience helped you feel valued and included? And knowing what you know now, what are the hallmarks of an inclusive workplace?
2: I really think it's friendliness. I know there's so many more things you can add to that, but I just know from when I joined Cadence, the way that people went out of their way to build friendship, a camaraderie, I think that goes a long way in working as a team. You're coming to the workplace to do work, but if you can do it with people that are kind and building camaraderie and giving you a warm welcome, even senior people when I joined Cadence really went out of their way to um, make sure I felt welcomed. So I think that goes a really far way in making people feel valued and included. And I think that's easier said than done. I mean, I will look at myself sometimes and I'll be so focused on my own work and realize that maybe I haven't been as inclusive or reaching out as much as I should have to a new person. I just remember how kind some people were when I first joined, who took the time to see how the transition was going and the onboarding and grabbing lunch, you know, so I I really appreciated those things. And I want to make sure that I'm always someone in the workplace who is giving that back to the new people.
1: Yeah, that sort of raises the question or the issue of balancing things, right? Because I think in my own personal experience as being a woman partner at a law firm, and certainly a lot of times, sometimes the only woman partner around or mm-hmm. the only woman in the crowd or an office or you know, diff- lots of different situations. I think because you, you're sort of in a unique position, and a lot of times you're only the only one. Sometimes it seems like the maybe they are all eyes are on you and uh, you really have to be pressure or I don't know, maybe it's pressure or just the idea that you really need to kind of be hitting on all cylinders at all levels in the workplace. What, you know, in terms of your actual work, but also helping creating the culture, mentoring, doing all doing the community service things, doing all those different aspects and, really hitting at a high level in all of them. Um, Do you feel like the balancing act is a a challenge for women in finance, where to some extent you need to be all things to all people because you want to make sure you're bringing up younger women and that sort of thing, as well as performing yourself? Do you feel like that's an issue or a challenge for women in the workplace, particularly in finance?
2: Yeah, I I think it can be. I think traditionally you look at your job as, okay, these are ABC tasks I have to get done today. And it's easy to forego looking around you and realizing the value and building your network. Who knows if you guys will end up at different firms one day and then you're on opposite sides of the table working on a deal, you know, and if you built that relationship early in your career, then It can be so beneficial and doing deals later. I think that there's a lot in playing the long game as far as relationship building goes. And so, even just being friendly because you value it and welcomed it when maybe you were the new person on the block, then I think it can really pay off in ways that you didn't foresee down the line. That's at least how I view it. And it it is kind of a juggling act because you're like, when does it make sense to kind of chit chat with coworkers or ask them how their day was going when? you have a million things to do on your list, but I never feel like I'll be perfect at it. It's just doing the best where I can, when I can, and knowing there are different seasons for different things too. Sometimes your plate is fuller on deals than others, and it's just making the most of it, in my opinion.
1: Yes, I agree with that. I think sometimes you have to, I think the whole concept of work balance is a certainly a misnomer. Sometimes your work, there's just a lot of work going on and you have to get your work done (laughs) And uh, (laughs) regardless. And you just have to get your, but getting deals done, it's, you know, whatever it takes to get the deal done, get it closed. Sometimes you could there's more time to do personal. And for me personally, one of the things I had to realize or learn was that when, when it's time to, when it's work, it's work and I'm, you you won't hear from me possibly. And I tell people I'm going to disappear for a little while. You may not hear from me for a while, so (laughs) Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. But when there is time to focus on personal, really take advantage of it and be in the moment. You know, I think that's really important and something that I've learned throughout my career. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You have a lot of, I think you have some really interesting outside interests. So Outside of your professional endeavors, how do you choose to spend your free time? And do you have any hobbies or activities that contribute to the uh, qualities or skills you bring to the workplace? I know you're involved, for instance, in the Houston rodeo.
2: Yes, my personal life can stay really busy. Uh, I have the issue of sometimes overcommitting, but I love to stay active and to give back as well. So. I do volunteer on the Mud and Bustin Committee at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. I am newer to that committee, but I absolutely love it. I co lead a community group at my church every week. And I mean, just as far as fun stuff, I love to play tennis or pickleball these days, I guess, whenever I can.
1: And for those that don't know, the Houston Rodeo is a big thing in Houston, Texas, and getting on some of these committees, a big deal to be on these committees.
2: Yeah, it is a huge organization and very well run. I mean, the work they do is really impressive. I I really value education and promoting education and the amount of money that they're able to give to scholarships or grants. And also just the platform they give students to showcase their animals and their projects. I I think it's a really amazing organization. So when I first wanted to start to get involved, it it definitely took quite a bit of legwork to try and figure out where my place was. In the rodeo, I ended up asking lots of people who were involved lots of questions, setting up informational interviews, having one-off phone calls really trying to find what committee would be a good fit. And um, I think that legwork really helped me understand kind of what I thought would be a good fit for me and where I could give back a lot. And then I got really lucky to get on the Mud and Busting Committee. I absolutely love working with the kids and the sheep. And it's just such a fun event, too. So I love working with the Rodeo and all the other volunteers. Everyone's so committed. I mean, this is only my second year on that committee, and there are people who are pretty much like lifetimers. And I hope to be that person one day too. It's, it's really great to see.
1: Yeah, that's really great that you have that involvement. That you're getting involved early on. And the Houston Rodeo is a big thing in the in the Houston area, and a lot of businesses are involved and things like that. So that's a really great and the. Ultimate you know, giving the goal of you know, for the scholarships and things for the kids is just a really great thing for the community for sure,
2: and I think it's even got personal benefits too I mean Cadence is really supportive of me going and working my shifts also there you're you're building a network anywhere you go, right, and there are so many impressive professionals that volunteer at the rodeo and who also want to give back. And by just working alongside them during your shifts, you're building a relationship and expanding your network in Houston. So the bank values, the giving back and the building the network. And it's been really beneficial in so many regards to me. So I think that that's how I feel about giving in general. It's you're giving to other people
1: or to some cause, but it's really giving back to you, too. And you can translate that into the work that you're doing at Cadence and the work that you're doing with in the business community, right? For sure. We've covered a lot here, sort of in your ideal world, how can organizations actively support and empower women to take on leadership roles in deal execution and decision-making?
2: Yeah, I think so much of it comes down to the people, you know, are they being supportive? Are they being friendly? Are they being welcoming? It's in the daily behaviors, in my opinion. Does a woman come to her place of work and know her opinion and work product will be trusted and respected? I know at Cadence that when I'm proposing a new deal that people really take my opinion seriously and know that I've put in the work and done the diligence and ask good questions. So I feel like my voice is really heard here. And I mean, I think that's really... Shown by women also being in leadership here as well. So I think that Cadence does a really good job in supporting and empowering women because they hear their voices and it's just a really inclusive workspace. Everyone here wants everyone to succeed. And I'm not just saying that to say it. I mean, I've worked in quite a few different places between internships and full time, and I really think Cadence does a good job at supporting women like that. Everyone here just really wants to make sure that we're getting people's voices heard who are putting in the work and doing the diligence and really digging in and wanting to succeed.
1: What advice would you give young women who are aspiring to enter into the finance industry?
2: What advice? Um, Maybe that when the going gets tough, I mean, I think working in private equity and finance can be a demanding role, right? And it can also be tough and that maybe you're outnumbered or you're The minority in it. And so I think when the going gets tough, we have two options, right? We can either be the change we want to see, or we can find a place that really aligns with our values. So I think knowing that we have that freedom, that there are places that are really going to respect and hear our voices and want us to succeed, you know, but there are also places that they just needed someone to be that difference, you know, and show there may be a better way So that's what I would say to that. I mean, I think there are so many different workplaces and every year I think it gets better and better for women in the finance space. So it's really a tough call and such a personal decision on how to power through. But there's definitely a space for us here. And I think women have a lot of value to add in private equity and finance industry. So I would love to see women just keep powering through and being supported, you know, because there are really good workplaces out there that value our opinions.
1: Right. I agree. I do think there's been a lot of change over the years, certainly since I started my career. We've made a lot of progress. There's still some uh, things to do, but we definitely women in finance have made in private equity have made a lot of progress Where do you see yourself projecting out five or 10 years? Like what to you would mean sort of the definition even of a successful career in finance?
2: Ooh, that's a tough question. I really love, if you can't tell, working here at Cadence. So I think it would just be growing my role within the bank, really training up people, around me too and being a good example. I really want to service my clients well. I love the people I work with as far as my clients. And one of my favorite things in this role is just seeing companies grow and succeed. And a lot of our products here, the loans that we can offer and the different types of facilities can enable businesses to grow and take the next step phase and growth or maybe transition and so I love being able to see people grow their companies and I think that's a really awesome story and that's like my favorite part of the job just knowing that I had a little part in that so I look forward to being able maybe the small clients I have now seeing them grow and achieve their dreams and while
1: also just building that out here in Cadence as well. You so you work with a lot of established businesses. Do you do any work with companies that are, you know, maybe there's a father who's always owned the business and maybe he's considering retiring or something like that. And so now they're thinking about transitioning the business or transitioning the ownership, those types of stages as well.
2: Yeah, I would say about 50% of my portfolio is, Entrepreneur, like founder, own businesses, right, and the other half are sponsor back companies, which lends well to my experience prior to working at Cadence and where a lot of my network was. So there are definitely those stories where you know the founder of the business is looking to retire, and is his son going to take it over, or does he need to sell it to a sponsor, or what kind of financing does maybe? do the kids need in that family to try and buy their father out or their mother out? You know, so I think that there, that scenario definitely has arisen. And there are lots of different solutions that we can provide to companies in that transition phase.
1: Really interesting. And the the sponsor back companies too, it's interesting that it's about 50-50.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, We try to maintain a good mix here. We like really working with both. I mean, the ones that are owned by sponsors, they can sometimes be more acquisitive. And so they're really high touch relationships. And those are really fun to work on because you're you're getting to see a story play out live, right, an investment thesis kind of come to fruition. And then on the ones that are owned by companies, maybe it's been in their family for generations, and you get to see how committed they are to that business for generations. And maybe each generation has a bit of a different take on it. So you get to see it go through different growth cycles or anything like that. I I think it's a really cool mix.
1: And so what I get from that too, is that you have to be sort of nimble, right? You can't, you don't just have one, a cookie cutter approach.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What sells to one client might not be what the other one is looking for. You really have to find out where, where are they coming from? What are you looking for? Yeah. Really, really understanding what products would fit
1: their needs. Hannah, we're coming to the end of our podcast here. And we always ask our guests our signature question, which is what advice would you give to your younger 22-year-old self? I
2: like that question. I would say to not put so much of my identity in my work. I think when you spend so much of your time at your job, potentially more than anywhere else, it's really easy to start to let it define yourself. And well, even my myself, in my first few roles, I think that it really, I derived a lot of my worth from that. But I don't think that's healthy necessarily. So I would say that there's so much more to each of us than the work we do, you know, during the day at our job. So I think it's really healthy to find where where does my value and worth come from. Otherwise, it can fluctuate so much based on, you know, feedback you got on a project or how well a deal went or how well a phone call went or, you know, your manager's feedback. So that's what I always try to tell myself and what I've learned in my career, just to not put so much of my own value in my eight to five, you know, but I think that it takes up such a large part of your life that it's hard not to do. And it is such an important piece, but it's not everything about who we are. And it might be harder for women, I'm not sure to kind of bifurcate the two of being like this, this is who I am. And this job is just what I do. But I think it's really important.
1: Very interesting, Hannah, thank you so much for being our guest today. On deal us in, and thank you to our audience for listening in.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Phyllis. This was really fun.
1: Thanks, Hannah.
0: Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of Deal Us In. If you have a recommendation for an inspiring interviewee, a question you'd like us to ask, or a topic you would like to hear covered, or if you'd like to tell us about women-focused initiatives in the field, please email us at wpef@maguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the podcast. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.